murder, violation, and gruesome violence end the book of Judges, as we see the depths to which Israel has fallen. On The Bible Brief. Tell a friend about The Bible Brief today. Your recommendation can help your friends learn the Bible in a new way. Tap share in your podcast player and share your favorite episode. Parents, please screen this episode before you listen with children. There are some moments recorded in the Bible that are just so dark that we want to skip over them. We want to purge them from our minds and escape the ramifications of these moments. What these moments mean about humanity, about sin, and about God. But if we skip over these moments, we'll be missing something. Something critical to the Bible and critical to the knowledge of God. We will miss the depths down to which God reaches down and picks us up. The deep, dark valleys into which the God of perfect justice traveled to save people from sin and death. It's the dark moments in the Bible that show God's light to the nth degree. Today we'll be looking at one such story, a stain, as it were, on the history of Israel that stands as one of the low points for the nation in the Bible. It's a bloodstain of a woman in circumstances that mirror the worst of what we've seen in the Bible. It's a stain that's an example of what can go wrong in a city and in a nation that forsakes God and goes its own way. And while we might hope that the story ends on an encouraging note, I'll warn you, it doesn't. The book of Judges ends with only a note of sadness and a sense of decay. Decay that serves as an example for us of where sin can take us. More than anything, perhaps, we can think of a story like this as a warning sign. Stray from God, and this is where the road leads. The tribes of Israel are gathered at Mizpah, a gathering done in haste because of the alarming nature of their call to the city. Eleven tribes are there and one remains missing. One that will suffer severely for what they had done. Benjamin was the missing tribe, and the awful occurrence happened in that city of Gibeah within Benjamin's territory. A city that could have been named Sodom for all the evil that happened there. Just as Sodom was destroyed by fire and brimstone from heaven, Benjamin would suffer for their evil as well. It happened only days ago, and it started with a Levite and his concubine. The Levite had come to the town of Bethlehem in Judah's territory to retrieve his concubine who had left him after cheating on him. The Levite made up with her and was entertained for a few days by her and her father before they left. Now their journey back to the Levite's house was a two-day journey, so they needed to stay somewhere overnight. They had two options of where to stay that were within a reasonable distance of their route. The first was the city of Jebus, but the Levite quickly rejected that idea because It was a Canaanite town, unsafe for an Israelite traveling with his concubine. You never know what those Canaanites might do to her. So they decided to stay at the second location, the town of Gibeah. This city was in the tribe of Benjamin's territory, and the Levite knew that they would be safe there, even if they had to sleep in the town square. But as they came into the city that evening, they were approached by an old man coming back into the city from his work in the field. The old man invited them into his home to sleep, and they took him up on his offer. 
Oddly enough, the old man seemed keen on the fact that they shouldn't sleep in the town square. But though the Levite and his concubine were apparently safe in the old man's home, the city of Gibeah quickly showed its true colors as the evening turned to night. We read this in Judges 19, beginning in verse 22. As they were making their hearts merry, behold, the men of the city, worthless fellows, surrounded the house, beating on the door. And they said to the old man, the master of the house, Bring out the man who came into your house, that we may know him. And the man, the master of the house, went out to them and said to them, No, my brothers, do not act so wickedly, since this man has come into my house. Do not do this vile thing. Behold, here are my virgin daughter and his concubine. Let me bring them out now. Violate them and do to them what seems good to you. But against this man do not do this outrageous thing. But the men would not listen to him. So the man seized his concubine and made her go out to them. And they knew her and abused her all night until the morning. And as the dawn began to break, they let her go. And as morning appeared, the woman came and fell down at the door of the man's house where her master was, until it was light. This could be a picture out of Sodom before God destroyed it with fire and brimstone. Except this time it's not the Sodomites who are violating this woman. It's the Israelites. Not only do we question the character of these men who offer up their women to save their own skin, but we question how a town in Israel could ever stoop this low. How could any Israelite town get this far from God? Hadn't they heard the story of Sodom from the book of Moses? Didn't they realize that they were basically reliving that awful story? But after what they had done to the concubine all night, what would happen to her body wasn't finished. We read this in verse 27. And her master the Levite rose up in the morning, and when he opened the doors of the house and went out to go on his way, behold, there was his concubine lying at the door of the house with her hands on the threshold. He said to her, Get up, let us be going. But there was no answer. Then he put her on the donkey, and the man rose up and went away to his home. And when he entered his house, he took a knife, and taking hold of his concubine, he divided her, limb by limb, into twelve pieces, and sent her throughout all the territory of Israel. And all who saw it said, Such a thing has never happened or been seen from the day that the people of Israel came up out of the land of Egypt until this day. Consider it, take counsel, and speak. This account has gone from awfully sad to incredibly gruesome. And what's striking is the lack of compassion and anger by the Levite. We don't read about any weeping or indignation from the man. All we see is a rather matter-of-fact description of the events. The man takes her on his donkey to his home and proceeds to desecrate her body by cutting it into twelve pieces before sending them across all Israel. The Levite, for his part, gets the reaction he wanted. All who saw a piece of this dismembered woman said, Such a thing has never happened or been seen since Israel came up out of Egypt. And that brought the tribes of Israel here to Mizpah. The shock of the body parts effectively became a summons to war for these tribes against the awful city of Gibeah. They all gathered at Mizpah, to get information from the Levite about what had happened. So after he shares what happened, the tribes begin to plan their attack on the city of Gibeah. 
An action like this can't go unpunished. But first, they send messengers to the tribe of Benjamin. They ask the tribe to give up these worthless men from the city of Gibeah so that they can kill them and purge this evil out of the nation. But the tribe of Benjamin wouldn't listen, and war drums begin beating. We read this in chapter 20, starting in verse 14. Then the people of Benjamin came together out of the cities to Gibeah to go out to battle against the people of Israel. And the people of Benjamin mustered out of their cities on that day 26,000 men who drew the sword, besides the inhabitants of Gibeah who mustered 700 chosen men. And the men of Israel, apart from Benjamin, mustered 400,000 men who drew the sword. All these were men of war. War is about to commence, but Israel doesn't battle without first consulting Yahweh. These 400,000 men go to the city of Bethel, where the Ark of the Covenant was being kept under the high priest Phinehas, the grandson of Moses' brother Aaron. There they ask God which tribe should lead them and if they should go up to fight, and the Lord approves of their endeavor. Yet after the first battle, the tribe of Benjamin is able to resist the attack of these other tribes. Benjamin kills 22,000 from among the other Israelites. The second battle on the next day hardly fares better for these tribes as Benjamin kills another 18,000 from among them. But it's on the third day that the Lord finally gives Benjamin into the hand of the other Israelites. And this again echoes a story we've heard in the Bible before. The Israelites set an ambush for the city of Gibeah. We read this, starting in verse 36. The men of Israel gave ground to Benjamin, because they trusted the men in the ambush whom they had set against Gibeah. Then the men in the ambush hurried and rushed against Gibeah. The men in ambush moved out and struck all the city with the edge of the sword. Now the appointed signal between the men of Israel and the men in the main ambush was that when they made a great cloud of smoke rise up out of the city, the men of Israel should turn in battle. Now Benjamin had begun to strike and kill about thirty men of Israel. They said, Surely they are defeated before us, as in the first battle. But when the signal began to rise out of the city in a column of smoke, the Benjaminites looked behind them, and behold, the whole of the city went up in smoke to heaven. Then the men of Israel turned, and the men of Benjamin were dismayed, for they saw that disaster was close upon them. Therefore they turned their backs before the men of Israel in the direction of the wilderness. But the battle overtook them and those who came out of the cities were destroying them in their midst. Surrounding the Benjaminites, they pursued them and trod them down from Nohah as far as opposite Gibeah on the east. All who fell that day of the tribe of Benjamin were 25,000 men who drew the sword, all of them men of valor. This is eerily similar to the conquering of Ai. Do you remember when Israel under Joshua had set an ambush for the city of Ai and defeated it with that battlefield deception? This is the same thing, but it's not against the Canaanites, it's against other Israelites. Just as I was ambushed, defeated, and burned, so Gibeah was ambushed, defeated, and burned. Only 600 men of the whole tribe of Benjamin were left after this short war. 600 men from a tribe that had been tens of thousands. Which, as it turns out, becomes the new problem for Israel. A problem which reveals that the good guys in the story so far really aren't so good. We read this beginning in chapter 21. Now the men of Israel had sworn at Mizpah, none of us shall give his daughter in marriage to Benjamin. 
And the people came to Bethel and sat there till evening before God. And they lifted up their voices and wept bitterly. And they said, O Lord, the God of Israel, why has this happened in Israel, that today there should be one tribe lacking in Israel? Long story short, though they ask God, they don't wait for his answer. And they devise a solution to this population problem for Benjamin. These men, who had just purged all the evil of the city of Gibeah, show a callousness towards another city who hadn't done anything like Gibeah had. They decide amongst themselves to murder a whole city in Israel in order to abduct the virgin women of the city to offer them to the tribe of Benjamin. But after they perpetrate this plan on the unsuspecting city, it doesn't actually yield enough women for all of Benjamin, and they launch another plan. This time they convince Benjamin to kidnap other Israelite daughters during a festival. And these two plans end up working to provide the tribe of Benjamin a way to repopulate. But the cost of the plan is murder and kidnapping. The book of Judges fittingly ends with these words. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Everyone did what was right in his own eyes. At the end of this book, we're left with a sense of an almost lawless society. A group of tribes brought by Yahweh into the land of Canaan, only to largely forget God's law after a few generations. Even the good ones aren't so good. Ritual has replaced worship from the heart. Saying God's name replaces following His commands. It's no wonder that the book of Judges ends with this account. In it, we're reminded of the wicked city of Sodom, defeated by fire and brimstone from God. And in it, we're reminded of Ai, the resistant Canaanite city defeated by ambush with Joshua's forces. We're supposed to see something in these callbacks. Now that they're in the land, Israel hasn't become more holy, more righteous. They haven't become this shining beacon among nations of the world. Instead, they've adopted the very things that they were to destroy in the land. They worship Baal. They build Asherah poles. They violate men and women. They sexualize worship of their pagan gods. They ignore Yahweh's laws. They hire personal priests. And they marry women of the land. They practice the very lives of those that they were to drive out of the land in the first place. If you didn't know they were Israelites, you might assume they're Canaanites. Join us next time as we see one bright spot in the middle of this dark judge's time period. We meet Ruth, not an Israelite, but an example of what faithfulness looks like in a chaotic time. The Bible Brief is brought to you by the Bible Literacy Foundation, dedicated to helping people like you learn the Bible. Copyright Bible Literacy Foundation 2023